We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell at our Gosforth head office. We've only got one office, don't know why I call it the head office, but our <laughs> Gosforth office made it makes us sound better. Um, and I've got Norman Riley in London um, on the phone to talk to you about Newcastle United's horrific 1-0 defeat at Crystal Palace yesterday. I've literally just got back, from, I just got off the train back from London. Uh, it was my misfortune to be at the game and spend the whole weekend and hundreds of pounds watching it. And uh, these two lads with me here uh, know what's what. I mean, if you didn't watch the game and you listen to this and you haven't seen anything, any of the highlights that you've seen, uh, just... Just imagine us kicking the ball to them or out of play. And that's pretty much the rest of the game or doing more defending. And we're going to really get into it today because there is a feeling, I'm certainly at a stage and I don't know what other people are. And everyone's different and it's always good to get different perspectives. But I'm at a stage now where after giving the manager a significant chance um, or maybe an insignificant chance, depends how you think about it. But I've seen enough. I've seen enough to to know what I think and, and where I think this is going. And we're going, to, we're going to get into that and some of the reasons why and the complexities of it uh, and talk about yesterday's non-event of a football match. So, Norman, very quickly, can you tell me what you were doing yesterday during the game rather than be at the game? I was at a wedding. Um, and obviously, during the wedding, the match was going on as uh, we were sat down having the, the wedding meal. And uh, I kept checking my phone for the score. And... Uh, Interestingly enough, the way that the WhatsApp group that we're in updated and the way that it updated on the BBC, I didn't actually see that Palace had scored just for half-time, so I went in thinking it was nil-nil at half-time, knowing for a fact that we performed ridiculously poorly in that first half, but thinking, well, nil-nil, at least we're not losing. And then uh, as soon as I checked again after half-time, I one nil down, and I pretty much checked it again at like 10 to 5, and uh, you know it was very much a case of as you were. Um, It didn't. It didn't impact on the enjoyment of the wedding, mate. I just kind of, I don't even know if I switched off. I think it was just apathy. I think I just felt apathetic. We're like, yeah, we've lost. That's not, that's no surprise. What, what, what? How do you react? There's no, there's no reaction anymore. It's just, yeah, we've lost. Move on. And Sai, same question to you. Um, yeah, I was sat in Chiquitos at the Metro Centre enjoying, <laughs> enjoying some lovely Mexican uh, themed food uh, while the match was on. This is uh, where, where it's been for me. I think you finally joined me in this apathy towards the current, uh, current setup, but. Um, I mean, I've had a busy few weeks uh, for various reasons. <laughs> so I, I owed the girlfriend a, just a day out. So Merit Center not thinking about the match was, was about the best I could come up with. 
And yeah, I was I wasn't really following the game. I was following your unhappy commentary <laughs> through WhatsApp and just keeping an eye on Twitter and just thinking, yeah, I'm I, as, as as usual, I'm not missing anything here. Well, I'm huge, but I'm hugely envious of both of you <laughs> for not having to be in that away in yesterday because it was fucking dire. It was dire, and and I feel like there's you know there's been a little bit of skirting around the issue from the likes of us as well across the season about the nature of these performances. Yesterday was a disgrace. Charlotte, uh, who our co-podcaster, wasn't able to make the game because in the evening she had to go to Ant and Deck's Saturday night takeaway live show. And again, just a better call. She was good at first. She was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss Palace, and, but I've said I'll go, and she really likes Ant and Deck, so it makes sense. Just a great decision. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I admire her. For, I, I left, I think the last time I left an away game early was Everton Sai under McLaren when we went 2-0 down. Because we were like right, and that, and I think that was the game as well. If it, if it hadn't already been a long time before that, that was the game. It was like this is we're going to get relegated, and he's going to get sacked. It just it doesn't matter. You know, one of them, yeah. one of those two things come first. And yesterday was about eighty minutes, and there was a massive lengthy layoff. I think it was Kuyata who was down, and I was like, even if we score here, we've we've been so abject against such a bad team. I don't even know if I'd be happy because it would be so wrong. For us to get anything from that game of football, then I was. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna beat the hordes and get a, one of London's many train stations that you've got to pass through to try and get back to somewhere central from deepest southeast London. And it was just. Uh, it was just one of the the grimmest days in a long time. Um, I'm going then. Then say. I mean, we talked to you on the podcasts when just after December. And I think we had that good week. I think we had one of the journalists in. I can't remember which one, but. You know, you'd said that you were prepared to admit that you'd been wrong about Steve Bruce because you predicted that he that would be bottom of the league uh, and relegated. You know, where where are you now at it all in terms of your reaction to him and yesterday? I think I spoke too soon in correcting <laughs> myself. Um, look, I'm still baffled and quite confused by the fact we have 31 points from the season, but I think. What I expected to happen it has come true in all but points total. Like the football is. Well, it took a, it took a while to decline. I thought we started off better than I would have expected, and I thought the team spirit still showed for the first few months, albeit th- there wasn't many ga- good performances. But we looked like we were still fighting. But the last since Christmas, basically, <clears throat> that started to dissipate, and it's 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 all coming apart in the way that I thought it might have done from the off. Because I just generally didn't rate Steve Bruce as a manager or the setup he was going to bring in, and, and nothing that he said in any press conferences before he started the job throughout the season lets me think otherwise about the fact that I didn't think he had a plan or that he was capable of managing the side and I think it's it's just people will continue to uh, use the points total as a as a kind of defense of him and to be fair to him he's doing better than a lot of other man- you know there's, there's four or five managers in this league at the minute who would love that points total even though they're not playing as badly but it's it's only going to end one way and I think like you said it'll, it'll end with him losing his job or Newcastle getting relegated and if that doesn't happen this season it will definitely happen next season so for me, it's just it's, the whole thing goes back to how frustrated we were that this happened in the first place. Appointing Steve Bruce was never going to improve the club. It might have it staved off relegation for a year, but what's the point if you're just going to get relegated the following year? It just feels like a waste of a year of everyone's lives. Like just, just, just kill him already. You know, <laughs> kill, kill the club already, or or do something different. So, um, and contrary to popular belief, I take no joy in in me describing myself as correct about Steve Bruce. I think we all knew this would happen eventually, but. I'm taking no joy in the fact that it has gone sour again. 
you know, I was I was a little bit gutted that I'd been missing some some good results over over Christmas and well before Christmas really that run in December, and um, was happy to you know to say right I'm wrong. People seem to be enjoying it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll hold my hand up, but I'm not I'm no happier now that things seem to have gone the way I expected, and it's just it's even more miserable seeing the rest of you have just joined me in that misery. And it's there's results and performances, and, and normally results are. Okay, and, and to be fair, say normally the, the results still okay. There isn't an open revolt yet against the manager. The away end yesterday was was hugely frustrated in the second half, particularly uh, very little vocal support for the team because it's just so hard to get behind what you were watching. And although there was a lot of booze at full time and anger towards Ashley, Bruce manages to. I, d- I don't know whether retain the support of of the the crowd is the right word because there aren't any you know pro isn't any pro Bruce stuff. I mean there was a. Uh, a chant yesterday which raised a smile amongst even the Palace fans, which is just basically, where's me bacon? <laughs> well, how's the bacon? Sorry. Fuck that up, didn't I? Um, how's the bacon? Um, but you say, it's certainly not like all-out revolt. I always think back to when McLaren got sacked, there was no comeback from that Bournemouth game. The whole ground singing, you're getting sacked in the morning towards your own manager. That You can't come back from that as a, as a, as a manager with the players. And, it, you know, like you say... 31 points on the board if we beat Burnley big if at the minute like big if and if we get past West Brom we've got 34 points with 10 games to go and we're in a quarter final that ain't a bad position that, it's not it's not a bad position but anyone and I, and I challenge anybody who's listening to this to tell me that we deserve to be where we do I, I cannot see it the performance against Everton right bar what happened after the 94th minute was was a disgrace it was a disgrace okay the performance against Norwich at home was a disgrace yep the perfor- who did we play last week the performance against Arsenal bar a decent first 20 minutes was a disgrace and yesterday was a disgrace and the big issue for me and I'm going to bring a normal second is every time I watch this player will get worse every time every single player is getting worse every single one the only player who seems to have improved this season because he because he has a chance to impress himself or impress himself upon us is Martin Dubravka. And he's the, the player of the last two weeks, by the way, who gets more criticism in the manager's post-match press conference than any other. Um, so it just feels like it's in an irreversible direction one way. And, and the frustrating thing for me is in 2009, not that we were podcasting then, we hadn't been, I hadn't been there before as a fan. I'd never seen us be relegated. So I didn't, you didn't recognise the signs. You know, I thought we were shit under Glen Roder and Graham I mean, we were, but like we were nowhere near as bad as yeah. as it became. But, you know, we've had 2009, and that was ex- exceptional circumstances because the club was just a basket case. Keegan, Kinnear, Hooten, Shearer, four managers in one season. Um, a squad that was way too good to go down in theory. 15-16... Um, was an even starker reminder that that was in the post for three seasons. That was in the post since 2011-12. So we, we've seen this happen before. We've even had this exact situation now. Too many points at Christmas to even be sucked into a relegation battle with John Carver. I mean, I, can't, I, I wish I had the stats. I, I forget what he lost, but I think he lost like, I don't know, 13 of his 17 games in charge. And It, ju- it just seemed unfathomable that would be in a relegation battle. We've been here before. That January... It was the same crack. It was, well, you know, there's not players out there to improve the squad. We're not going to bring them in. And we nearly got fucking relegated and lost. He lost 10 games in a row, something like that. We we've, we have all, and everyone listening to this, we've been here before. We've seen that when a team is, is 
as bad as we are week after week after week. Confidence erodes amongst the players. Confidence erodes in the manager. The fan base starts to get to get restless. Hugely, even for us, <laughs> restless. And, and and it just it just goes in one direction. And and everything I see from Steve Bruce, everything I hear from him, and when I look into his previous career, like I've done before, like people listening have probably done before, just by witnessing it. What is that to suggest that this is going to change, Norman? If anything, nothing. There's nothing to suggest it's going to change. Um, everything. Every fear that we had when Rafa left and Bruce, Bruce's name was even mooted as a replacement. And, you know, initially it was, a, it was surreal. You're like, nah, they're not thinking about Steve Bruce. But then obviously you realise, well, this is Mike actually Newcastle, you know, this is, this is Lee Charney, this is somebody who appointed, who thought it would be a good idea to appoint John, Car- John Carver as manager, Steve McLaren, chase Steve McLaren, um, to appoint Alan Pardew as manager when they did. You know, subsequently Pardew had a brilliant season and under the circumstances, you know, I, I look back at Pardew. You know, this is how desperate it is. I, I kind of look back at Pardew. You now, um, with with the, the attitude of they were halcyon days in part. Um, but the the ability of Bruce as a manager, we all knew this was going to happen. And this, the whole 31 points on the board thing, it it's frankly ridiculous that we've got 31 points on the board because there is nothing in those performances other than perhaps West Ham away for 45 minutes that you think we probably deserve the three points out of that game. Uh, Bournemouth had won, perhaps. I mean, I genuinely, I'm struggling to think of when we actually deserved to win uh, a game. And he, as a coach, is now in a in a relatively good position in the sense that, you know, we've got 31 points on the board. He's got enough games to scrape together the seven or eight points that it might take for us to stay up. And for Steve Bruce, that's kind of job done, isn't it? Um, and as you say a win against Burnley, which I frankly don't think we'll get. Um, but in, in a win against West Brom, we're in the quarterfinals of the Cup and everything's hunky-dory. But what, what's even sad about that, mate, is that, you know, 34 points at this stage of the season, possibly. Like, we're looking at that as success. That is, that's the tragedy of it. 34 points in, at the end of February, beginning of March, is a success. Being, what, 13th in the table that we may be, or 14, uh, sorry, 12th in the table that we We're looking at that as success. That's how bad it is at Newcastle United. We're looking at being a 12th place in the table in the middle of February as success on that Steve Bruce. And that's really sad. There is nothing in his career that suggests to me that we're ever, ever, we're ever going to or we're ever going to go forward under him. There's nothing in his career that suggests that he's the man in the position that we're in to, to not have a sink like a stone next season. He was an absolutely awful appointment. And what's happening now is we're reaping the club again, once again, Mike Ashley, Lee Charney are reaping what they've sown. It's an absolute disgrace that this club is in yet another relegation battle under an ownership that does not give one single shit about the fan base. And I'm absolutely... Like, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm at the enemy tether. Like, the, the reality is, if it wasn't for the people that I enjoy spending time talking about football with or going to matches with, I think I would probably just walk away and say, you know what, I'm done until change happens because this is ridiculous. Yeah, well said. And I mean, where where to go from there? But if, if I look at yesterday, for example, one of the things that struck me about yesterday, and, and I appreciate here, by the way, that the players have to take some responsibility because they are the you know they're the ones out there. It can't all be on the manager. Um, I think you know I think even Lee Charney's gone on record saying you know the players should have got more credit under Rafa than they did. And I think, you know, particularly us and, and not just as lots of Newcastle fan media and even traditional media, there's been loads of big and up players over the past three seasons, absolutely loads. 
I don't, know, I don't quite buy that argument. But, um, you know, certainly now you look at the players. And I, and I, I, I had a, my seat yesterday, which, by the way, was behind a fucking pillar. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God. I, I mean, I couldn't see us attacking in the first half, which was fine, because, like, it was not to see one shot by Joe Linton. Um, and in the second half, it just I just missed Palace, missing loads of chances. Um I actually didn't know Lazaro had been sent off until about an hour later, <laughs> because I saw something on Twitter. Um, but it, but I, I, I tried to watch the players yesterday, and, and what you know, I think when we had Ian Murder in here, we talked about you know Steve Bruce being a manager for a long, long time. It isn't just a case of you know, you know, literally don't do any any work in training, don't look look at the opposition, and. Try to notice things yesterday. Which right, what have they planned here? What have they tried to do here? What what is the plan? Because surely the plan every single game isn't right, lads. The opposition are going to have all of the ball, and it didn't happen yesterday, by the way. But the, the opposition are going to have all of the ball. We're going to defend for our lives. We're going to give away five or six golden opportunities. Martin Dubravka is going to be man of the match. Federico Fernandez is going to play, make two or three goal saving challenges. And we're going to score our only shot. That that can't be the plan. That cannot be the plan. That is surely not how they communicate to each other. So what did they try and do? Well, first of all, first corner we got, we flooded the six-yard box. All our players were in the six-yard box. And I, it, I didn't actually twig on at this. And it was my brother who I stood next to was like, at least that shows they've been watching the previous game because Palace's last home game, their goalkeeper dropped the ball from a corner and, and they scored. So you know what? They looked at it and thought, actually, there's a weakness we're going to exploit. Now, Lazaro took the corner and went straight out of play and it was shite. But the idea was right. The idea was like, actually, we've identified a weakness. Let's do it. Can you two people with me now, can you guess how many times they tried that again in the game? I'm going to, I'm going to say zero from your turn. Zero. <laughs> zero. So zero yeah. The idea was good. The execution was bad. That, to me, suggests like a massive lack of confidence in the players. And I don't know who, whether someone told Lazaro, who who had a terrible game, by the way, which we'll come on to, whether someone told him or whether he, well, it can't just have been him. It's not just the delivery because the setup from the next corner of how we, you know, set up in the in the box and attack and sense was totally different. So they thought, right, I mean, surely the the crack wasn't, we'll try it once and if it doesn't work. That just would be non- nonsensical to do. See, I wonder if the players would just thought, nah, we'll just do it our own way here. Yeah. And stuff like that, has Bruce really got... Like like Benitez used to, he hasn't got a bloke with a clipboard with with all the set pieces on running up and down the touchline every time we have a set piece. They'll just be like, I oh, just just do whatever, lads. There'll be no control over it. And if if they decide, oh, that hasn't worked, they'll probably just say, right, we'll just whip in a standard corner. I don't, I don't know how many corners we had, yeah. like four. Yeah, four, <laughs> not many. But you know, because we are we are we are the kings of the bottom of the league. We are worst worst goals scored, worst shots, like worst crosses, worst touches in the opposition half. We're touching the opposition box. We're scoreless. We're literally bottom of every single league going, apart from the, the one that really matters, I suppose, although we should be. Um, another thing I noticed, and this, I, I'm presenting this to you two, by the way, so I'm pleased you said that about, like, because I don't have the answers here. Like, yeah. So another thing, do you remember when Rafa Benitez allegedly fell out with Jamal Lascelles in the media because Lascelles, Rafa was trying to play on the right side of the back three in Lascelles, allegedly, I've no idea this is true or not, proper through the toys or the pram and then didn't play in the game. Um, and what, what I saw yesterday was very clear. Now, again, try, and this is me doing my best, and you might think I'm doing a challenge. I'm trying to be reasonable here towards the manager. We, with this formation, which doesn't work, but this formation, what, how did it work last season? We pushed the fullbacks up really high, uh, who were able to create space for the front three inside because I thought opposition players got dragged out wide. The likes of Perez in particular was able to exploit that space. Almiron could link up with Rondon, and it, and it worked quite well. It didn't always work. There was some games that didn't, but that was the idea. Bruce has tried this season, and me and Adam noticed this 
uh, and the the Norwich podcast that about 15, 20 minutes in, Bruce was saying to Matt Ritchie in that game, you need to get, your starting position needs to be higher. It needs to be further up the pitch. You need to get up the pitch. He didn't do it, Ritchie, for whatever reason, but we clearly told him, he communicated that. And on the other side of the pitch, Yedlin, who was playing, was 30 yards further forwards all the time, Ritchie, which makes no sense. But back yesterday, I noticed very clearly that every time our back three had the ball, which, by the way, if you look at the possession stats, we had one of our highest possessions of the season yesterday, was all with the back three. Palace, very clearly, let, let those three have the ball. Absolutely fine. As soon as they get anywhere near the halfway line, make sure that the whole the midfielders are marked out the game. Make sure the forward players are marked out the game. We'll get it back within 30 seconds, which is generally what happens. Every time that um, Shaw had the ball on the left, Palace's whole squad team even, would move five or six yards left because he's looking for the left ball out to Danny Rose. Every time Fernandez had it on the right, they moved the other way. So that meant when Jamal Lascelles had the ball, Palace's team were really central. I mean, not that Jamal Lascelles is going to pick up a pass, but fine, are really central. And whenever Jamal Lascelles had the ball both times, both Danny Rose and Lazaro, arms in the air, jumping up and down, thinking, look at me, look at the space I've got. And I could see players saying to Lascelles, like, we constantly gave Palace, constantly gave them the, the ball back. I've never seen anything like it. Constantly, over and over again, we gave them the ball back in the middle of the pitch. And there's a one point Jamal Lascelles tried a lofted ball out of Lazaro. Now, the ball was, was overhit, and it wasn't a great ball. It was a windy day. It was the right ball. It was the right thing to do there. Lazaro, if it had been a good ball, would have had, for the one of the few times in the game, an ocean of space around him to get up the line, link with St. Maximano Almiron, who was playing that side. Didn't try it again once in that whole yeah. game. And things like that, and I've got one more example, and I appreciate it, we're 20 minutes in, I've done most of talking. <laughs> I've got one more example. It was windy yesterday, but I think the main issue was Joe Linton was just... Uh, waste of a shirt again like him and Bentaleb were genuinely detrimental to that team yesterday in, in a whole number of ways and um, we're just every time we kick the ball long because Joe Layton doesn't even jump for the ball and it's true you know we've, we've spoke about him lots and we'll speak about him some more he doesn't even jump to try and contest a lot of the balls when he does he seems quite capable and he wins a few flick ons it's an A1 obviously but he does, he does at least make the defender do some defending um, they must have thought yesterday the ball is just coming back the ball is coming back time and time again. Now, I don't know if it was Steve Bruce or whether it was the players, but they tried for the first time probably in Steve Bruce's whole managerial career to play it out from a goal kick. Two players in the box, fullbacks really deep. What happened? Palace got the ball back immediately <laughs> and should have scored. And again, I'm, just, I'm thinking, who's made that decision? Now, there might be good judgment. Why, why, what I couldn't understand is why is Jamal Lascelles the one receiving the ball, the worst player on the ball, blah, blah, blah. They didn't try it again. And I don't know if people listening would agree with this. To me, it looks like a group of players, in my opinion, who took who took who are taking things into their own hands because stuff like that had to have been discussed. They try it once and they just think, nah, load of shite. What do you think, lads? Well, that's what I said before. I think that's exactly it. I think it's that the players are starting to lose faith in the. Um, I mean, I've made this point in the last few days is that um, this this formation that we've stuck to all season. He's now got five new players in it, so. Mm. This this whole rhetoric of uh, well they're just stick, sticking with what they know is isn't doesn't really hold anymore. He's got two fullbacks who he's just brought in, both really short of match fitness, and they're expected to do what's basically the key position in this formation, and they're struggling. The rest of the players are starting to think, well, this just isn't working anymore. What what we're gonna have to try and do something here because there's no, for me, there seems to be no instruction coming from the sidelines like this isn't working. Try this, do this, or here's some instructions, or this is what you need to be doing. It's it's almost like this like. How are the lads chin up? What, what can we do now? And they're just trying anything because they're running out of ideas. That's exactly what it looks like to me as well. I think you're right. Um, the confidence thing's a big issue because, like you say, they try something that doesn't come off. 
they're terrified of trying it a second time because if it doesn't come off again, you know, heads will roll or that's how it must be perceived. So, yeah, it's it's bizarre to watch the one thing that you could say about the um, the team, at least for the first half of the season, was that we were quite quite rigid. It was it was really poor um, and, and bad football and, and really, really deep defending and, and one plan of just basically stay in the game and try and nick a goal. But it was sort of, we were, we were good at it. We were still good at that. We're not even good at that anymore. We, we just, we've got nothing. It's it's that one thing we could do, we can't do anymore. And we don't look like getting it back. So there's no alternate plan. So I, I don't know where we go from here. Interesting. You, you, you make the points there, Si, about the two, you know, two players we've brought in on loan, important positions in the team. Um, I, I was, I mean, me, I met up with Norman. Uh, me and Norman saw each other Friday night for a couple of pints. Uh, in the King's Cross area, and number one, we both agreed how the game would go, which is embarrassing. You know, here's what we said: we said they'll have loads of chances. They probably should win four or five nil, and Bradford will keep the score down, and that, that's what happened. But Norman, me, and you both probably thought there would be changes for this game, and I, I found it inexplicable that he picked Ben Eleven Lazaro again. Uh, inexplicable, and they were both shocking. Lazaro, I mean, Norman, you'll be able to tell us better because you had a chat for our patrons with a, with a Herta fan who, who she you know knows the player much better than any of us. I don't think he's ever played in a defensive position in his life. And, and he's, no. he's, he's, he's been asked to come in and play as a right-back. And, and, and yes, it was a right-back, not a wing-back, it was a right-back against Wilfred Zaha when Yedlin mentioned that. And I know Yedlin's had his issues, I do. But look at, look at Lazaro's starting position as a defender when Zahar's running in for the red card. He's not side-on, he's face-on, like a rugby player. <laughs> like, and, and then he rugby tackles him. But, but, like, let's go back to the beginning, Norman, of, of yesterday. Like, what did you make of that team selection? And, and obviously it's easy with the, the analysis of hindsight and the, the dog shit that we actually watched. But, but surely Bruce had to make changes. Why do you think he kept with the same team? I've genuinely got no idea, mate. The, the Lazaro uh, decision. Now, basically... When I, I think I mentioned to the Hurt fan, you know, Bruce will probably end up playing him right wing back. And she was like, no, he shouldn't play there. He's an attacking player. Um, we said, on, I think me and Charlotte discussed in the preview as well, basically putting Lazaro as a right wing back against Van Arnholt. Van Arnholt and Zaha is going to backfire spectacularly. Well, they did, didn't they? Um, Van Arnholt, I know he scored, it was a free kick, but the space he had. Zaha, you know, Lazaro gets sent off because of a uh, attack run at the end. Um, it was never going to work. I can't, I can't believe that he started him. Um, Bentaleb, who, who I think is technically a, good, technically a good player, but ultimately it's he's coming into a, a system that isn't a system, um, and he's looking as poor as you know that that makes him. Um, and I think persistent with Joe Linton, despite the fact that the Dwight Gale just come back and you, oh, let's put him on a ninety minutes ago. Look, if Dwight Gale is fit enough to play 19, 20 minutes at the end of the match, then he's fit enough to play the first half. In my opinion, start him, just start him, play him, play him for the first half. It's it's incredible how poor we are up front and. You look at the difference that Gale made when he was up front against Wolves for the sort of 30 minutes he was in the pitch. It was, it was absolutely huge, just purely based on his movement and his intelligence as a as a striker, which, which Joe Linton isn't. Um, another thing I will say is um, we're, we're talking about these players coming in. I, I've got to look, I, I was thinking, Sai, you were saying, I think, um, you know, the players aren't, aren't um, getting any instructions, perhaps. I think it might be a case of, even, even if Bruce and the coaching staff are giving them instructions, I think they've just stopped listening because what are these instructions? What do they actually mean? What 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 what's going to happen if the players follow them? Is it going to improve things? Unlikely. Now I was thinking of this this morning. I was thinking, right? Um, Joe Linton's last coach, right? Who was it? Paul Bruce. 
to blow in Germany. It was Nagel, it was Nagelsmann, right? Who's right. like one of the most, one of the, one of the most promising coaches in Europe? He's at RB Leipzig now. Did a brilliant job at Hoffenheim. Technically a superb manager, right? Look at um, look at Sam Maximan, his last manager, Patrick Vieira again, another co manager this time, a new new breed of manager. Danny Rose's last manager before Mourinho was Mauricio Pochettino for three or four years. So these are players coming in from from these these managers who are incredibly tactically driven, technical managers who are going to improve players, who are going to micro manage them. Who are going to be completely confident of what they're doing in the coming of being managed by Steve Bruce, his coach and staff. And it's no wonder they're looking absolutely lost. Now, obviously, Joe Linton is the centre forward and could be going up for headers. But this is a player who's gone from having every single aspect of his game being managed to literally get on the pitch and do your best son. Because that's what it looks like to me. It looks like a team that meets up on a Sunday morning and whoever turns up gets a gun on the pitch. Get on the pitch, lad, do what you can. And it, to me, it just looks like the players. If the players are getting instructions, they've stopped listening or they're not getting instructions. That's, that's what I think it is. Um, and it's, it's embarrassing the performance at the moment. Embarrassing. I think a lot of those players themselves are probably looking at themselves today and thinking this has been embarrassing. And, and the run of results that you mentioned before, I actually forgot to stick the Oxford result in there, mate, as well. We were a disgrace against Oxford at home. So it, is, it, it looks to me at the moment, it looks terminal. Uh, one win in nine as well. And we lost yesterday. Convincingly, by the way, to a team who won one in 11 prior. We made Crystal Palace look like uh, a very good counter-attack and say you're capable of creating chances. I mean, that is frankly ridiculous. Yeah, that was the most concerning thing about yesterday is that they were as bad as us form-wise going into that game and we've made them look like a like a side that should, should have nothing to worry about again. Um, I, I want to quickly just, just uh, final point on the on the, on the the starting lineup. I mean, again, I, I talk about Bruce's rhetoric of um, this, this 5-3-2 formation is all we know. Fine, but... Y- Again, why are you chucking Danny Rose, Lazaro, um, and Bentleb into that lineup when we've got we've literally got Richie, Yedlin, and Hayden on the bench? Like, if it's all you know and you've you've got the players you know how to play that formation, why are you taking risks like hiring these lads in just just out of nowhere? I, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if if you're not brave enough to change the formation, why are you changing the players and keeping the formation? It just not not if it makes any sense anymore. And I think um, Alex is right. Like. I was impatient with Bruce, but I think those that did have patience with him, patience with him, have surely got to be thinking right now. This is this just isn't going to get any better. So, so sorry, lads. Can I just jump in there quickly? Um, just to just to build on that. Um, right. So there's a couple of a couple of thoughts I've had. Obviously, not all complete speculation and just the thoughts of like you know an, an idiot Newcastle fan who texts his dog for too many walks and thinks about Newcastle too much when he's <laughs> when he's got his own thoughts to himself. Um, so I think uh, George Coughlin put up a tweet earlier on today. Um, he, he answered. Um, somebody who tweeted him saying that um, Lazaro and Rose uh, not Lazaro and Rose sorry Lazaro and Bentley weren't um, like Bruce choices they were on the radar when Rafa was manager so um, I was thinking to myself well, what does that actually mean does that mean that you know Rafa scouted them and he wanted them which I mean if that had, if that had been the case then you know, obviously they wouldn't have been introduced to the team the way that they are and they'd be managed completely differently um, then there is potential there we know that or all the signings that the club have just made without, you know, how can can consult the manager at all? Um, or has Bruce, you know, even if they weren't on his radar, the fact that he's been offered them and supposedly, supposedly he's got final face on transfers, he's okayed them, so they're all his signings. And I was thinking, well, if he's okayed them, so therefore they're all his signings, you know, this this whole narrative around um, the players have got so, so drilled in them that they can't change. Uh, you know, it kind of it needs to be my team when it's my team at the front foot football. I was thinking... Is he just putting them in the team to try and get a result and then he can turn around and say, look what happens when I put my players in the team? 
Am I just be is that just an idiotic comment I've made? I mean that, that's how you know that, that's how par- paranoid I'm obviously getting. But just tell me, tell me if I'm like you know I'm, I'm on the verge of like being sat in a room in a tinfoil hat with like really long nails. You, you would sound really, really cynical as a football fan if it wasn't for what we've been watching for the last six months. It, it does start to feel <laughs> like that because I think you're right. Steve Bruce is running out of ways to win people over, and if he can sort of pull it out, that the only thing he can do is hire a couple of the new lads in. But again. That that shows to me just how stupid and naive he is because these are all players. All the signings have played no football this season, so putting three or four of them into a Premier League match at the, at the, in, in February is just just mental. It's mental, and it, it's it's no wonder that a team with fully fit Premier League match fit players just dominated us for the for the whole game. I've just been looking up the stats. The last time Nabil Bentaleb played ninety minutes in a first team game before Cape Newcastle was the third of February last year, is in. <laughs> 2019, 30. so over. He's he's pretty much come without a year of football. Yeah, a year of football. Um, Rosario hardly played. Rose has had. I've looked at the past three or four seasons. Hardly played. Yeah, injuries counted for some of it. Fell out with Pochettino, and it's like again, if you work at Newcastle United, and fair enough, Steve Bruce picks the team, but we've 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 done this before. How many fucking strikers have we bought on or brought in on loan in January? How has that worked out? How has that worked out, bringing in strikers who hardly played? Luke de Jong. Luke de Jong hadn't kicked the ball in 18 months because of injury. No preseason. There you go, mate. Uh, just a little best player in Jong Kabai. Can you just sort it out? And, and unsurprisingly, he's one of the worst players I've ever seen at this level. Because it just does I mean, I'm, we're not in football, but we can just see it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Nabil Bentaleb yesterday in the first half. Like, I can't... I, I've spoken to a few people at the game who have, have a similar opinion. He was... I don't even have the words for how bad he was, and I, I take no joy in saying this because I agree with you, Norman. I think actually he would probably get in our best team when he was fully fit and up to speed, and if he wants to be here, he was fucking dire yesterday. He gave the ball away time after time after time. It, it was so easy to dispossess him that in the end, Palace players were just like not even tackling him and they were getting the ball back. It was two or three times the first <laughs> half where he just kicked the ball out of play under no pressure. Not like a... This like a, this is like a two yard pass that would go out of play, and and you could tell the body language of his teammates were just like, "What the fuck, mate!" Like, then he got then he got himself um, booked for kicking the ball away. So he's had the second half off, couldn't tackle anyone. He still committed a couple of fouls, like couldn't tackle, couldn't do out. So how how was he? How was he? he was dreadful at Arsenal. How was he picked him again ahead of Isaac Hayden? And this Isaac Hayden has gone backwards this season, just like every other player. Under the under this manager, but fucking hell, he's better than Bentaleb at the minute, and he's fully fit. And he's fully fit. Joe Linton again. I mean, he can't even get injured properly. Thought he wasn't going to play. Like it's <laughs> can't even get injured. Like, and it's we've tried to be like you try and be nice, and you you have sympathy, and you're right, Norman. I, I take on board what you say, but he was so bad yesterday that we had to put Saint Maximan up front. And Switz, like he's he's only the only chance we have of scoring. Is if someone passes St. Maximum and he skins three players and scores. It's literally it. Like and, and you, it's like go on, go on, St. Max. Can you just contest those long balls against fucking Gary Cahill and Scott Dana, whoever it was? Like it's it's just I felt I was stood there in the way and just thinking, what am I watching here? Like yes, like Drew Linton again was just so dreadful that something had to change. But to put St. Maximum on there, it it was like and Matt Ritchie comes on the pitch and fucking bollocks. And I mean bollocks. I've not seen a bollocking given out like this in years. St. Maximan for not tracking back. And it's like, how am I? Like, there's one player sprinting the whole team, and it's him. Yeah. And he's been doing it for, like, 80 minutes. And, and yes, Jordan Ayew's, like, fucked up again because he should have, you know, he, he hit the post, and then he, he had an even easier chance that he let Dubravka save. But, like, 
of all the players, like, who hasn't, you know, Max Mann puts in more effort. And yeah, his body language at times isn't great because he's probably thinking, what what the hell is this? It's just, when, lads, when was the last time we had a counter-attack? We're supposed to be a counter-attacking team. Can't I can't think of the last time we, we had a counter-attack of note. Funny enough, it's probably when last time Shelby was in the team. Yeah, exactly. He is quite a big part of that and has been this season. But why, why the fuck's John Joe Shelby, by the way? Like, what's happened to him? Um, what what Otelie? What Otelie? We're supposed to be a counter-attacking team. You said there, mate. What? What? Just utterly identity free. There is zero identity. What? What? Are, what is that? It's, it's like a nothing. It's just a nothing, isn't it? It's a. It's a. Let's hope we get. Let's. Let's hope we get something, team. There's. there's yeah. Zero identity. If if we were renowned as a counter-attacking team, or if we were thought of as a counter-attacking team um, under Rafa, um, that has gone now. We're just an often team now, like an often a void of a team. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I can't I can't, I can't see what that is. There's, there's been a lot of gags this season about um, you know Sunday League, Sunday League coach and Sunday League management, but like. Put your most skillful lad up front because nothing else is working. Is Sunday League like that's all you do? Like right, the striker's not scoring. Get him off. Stick the stick this flare lad up front and see if he can just pull something out his ass. I mean, it reminds me of um, Allardyce in like the, the early two thousands at Bolton. If Kevin if uh, Kevin Davies wasn't having any joy, just hide JJ Acocha up front and just yeah. hope that he could pull off something spectacular. It's the same thing. It's just like running out of ideas when you've only got one plan and just saying right, who's my best player up front? See if he can score. Like it's that's all it is. There's no more to it than that. In the last two games, we've had three decent chances, which were two, all three have been shots from outside the box. One hit the post, two two good saves from keepers, and Kieran Clark scuffing one off a corner or something. Apart from that, we haven't created a single chance. We, we, I can't remember us creating a chance of note against Norwich. I think Joe Linton might have had one header. Um, so that's going back three Premier League games now. Just haven't just haven't created like a single proper. To be fair, the Joe Linton one against Norwich was, but it was one a chance against the league's worst away side who had lost 10 of 12 away games before that game. Um, and and I, I have to talk about the defence because that's got us through this season. It's being shite, but like I get Chelsea's a good example. Chelsea dominated that game, had a couple of chances, but were defended really, really well, and it, it gave us the platform to steal the game in the last minute. Um there are, you know, there haven't been too many other games like that. Maybe Sheffield United, though Dubravka against pulled off four or five miracle saves. But now you were conceded four against Arsenal. Norwich could have beat with three nil. Everton should have beat with five nil. Uh, and yesterday, I mean, in the first half alone, Dubravka's pulled off three world class saves. In the second half, he's pulled off two world class saves. Benteke's missed a header, cube head from three yards, and Jordan Ayer's missed two unbelievable chances. That's like. That's like seven or eight goals there. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I've seen scored. quite a few comments saying, oh, well, it was a really good free kick. I, but like you say, it could have been any other yeah. one of those chances that was the goal. It wasn't the free kick that made that, like, won that game. No, and it's... The point is, this is what... I wasn't on the podcast last week, and I haven't done many Patreon shows this week because I've been away. And you, you, I wanted to say this for a long time. I see Newcastle fans on social media like last week against Arsenal saying, yeah, to be fair, we're, we're never going to beat Arsenal away from home. We're never going to do this. Like, hang on. Fucking Brighton been and beat them this season. Um, we have the same point. Same yeah, points we, as the same, we have the same points after the same number of games. <laughs> like why you know, Arsenal have only won two games at home this season by more than one goal. One was Man United and one was us. Every other terrible team in the league has gone to Arsenal and at least given them a game. Yet we're the ones that have to turn up and roll over. And then oh no, they're in a false position. They've got much better players than us. It's like yeah, right, fine. You're not wrong. But it's but everyone else goes there. Burnley can go there and give them a good game. 
Villa go there and nearly get a point. Loads of teams go there and play really well, and we get turned over 4 0. And it reminds me of losing 5 1 at Chelsea under McLaren when we were 4 0 down after 20 minutes. And people were like, I mean, Chelsea were like 13th at the time under Hiddink. Mourinho had been sacked, and people were like, oh, yeah, Chelsea, they're the champions, you know. Yeah, but other teams go there and win. We go there and get turned over 5 1 because we're worse than the other teams. That's yeah. that's the issue. And I think we're worse than all the other teams in the league at the minute. Yeah, but we've got much better players than Norwich and Villa. Yeah, we'll and we didn't beat either of <laughs> them, did we? Like, so. <laughs> we got absolutely <laughs> demolished by both of them every time we played them this season. Um, Norman, realistic question then looking forward. Where where does he go from here? What does he do against Burnley? There's, there are always solutions to problems. To me, if we if we if we set up the same way as we have done in as all season against Burnley, that it'd just be another nail in the coffin. It would just be there's no thought goes into this. We went to Burnley, by the way, December. Burnley play four four two. Everyone knows how Burnley play every single week. Play four four two. And we played our formation. He, he played Joe Litton and Carroll. Didn't work. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and we lost 1-0. And it's a little bit of roles reversed because we went into that game in great form. And they'd lost five in a row or something and conceded loads of goals. Um, and we let them off the hook massively. And now they come to us in fucking eighth before to get today's games. Uh, and we're in, you know the worst possible shape. So I've had a few people say, oh, Burnley, we'll have got no chance against Burnley next week. No, we went to them in an identical position and they still managed to beat us. Norman, for you, what what is he? What do you think he should do and what do you think he will do to, to win this game and get get the pressure off? Um, all, all I can think, right, and this is, this is how bad I think the situation is right now, that the only thing I think that, that, that I think I can get on board with and I can understand and it might sound ridiculously retrograde, right? But I was looking at Ancelotti and since he's coming at Everton, right? He's basically gone, he's stripped it back to the most basic kind of football. He's pretty much gone 4-4-2 and you mentioned Dice there playing 4-4-2 and I look at Steve Bruce's career in the early noughties when he was in the Premier League and he did okay playing 4-4-2 and I genuinely, genuinely feel that that's possibly the only thing whilst his manager that might improve improve the side in the sense that we might pick up the points that we need to stay up between now and the end of the season. And it might be brutally grim at times, but I think if we've got two fast wingers slash, um, you know, wide midfielders and we're playing two up top, whether uh, Dwight Gale and, and another, um, probably Joe Linton, um, but at least you'll have someone there to help him, um, then possibly we'll create enough chances in those games between now and the end of the season to pick up the points. Beyond that, mate, I genuinely have no idea because regardless of what you know, regardless of what, what those players may or may not be, I, I don't know what Steve Bruce has got in his locker. All I can do is look at look at him historically, look at his career historically and, and see what he's done. And the only time he's had a modicum of success is by playing a kind of four four two formation from from an era that he was a half decent manager in. Well not in that era now, but you know what? Dice is doing it and like you see Burnley won a, a position that was um, similar to what we're in now. Um and, and it seems to have have worked, um, it might work for us enough times to give her the points that we uh, that we need. Um but other than that, mate, genuinely, genuinely struggling to think. Um I've got that I've got that sick feeling in my stomach. The only thing that's stopping me kind of feeling that we'll get relegated this season is is definitely because of the points on the board and also because of the fact that I think Steve Bruce is, is and this isn't you know a great compliment, but he's a better manager, John Carver. But the feeling I have in my stomach with John Carver is the kind of feeling that I've got in my, in my stomach now that this is going to be really, really tight. Um, I've just got a slightly 
higher level. Oh, no, no, high, let, let's not say high level optimism. It's slight, slightly less um, sick in my stomach because I think we've got enough points on the board to scrape together the results we need to stay up. But then again, ask yourself, genuinely, what's the point in staying up? Same question to you, side. Like, what would you, what do you think you should do? And what yeah. Norman didn't answer, it, but what do you think you will do? I know it's it's a tough one. Oh, isn't it? sorry. <laughs> yeah. Even if we do finish sixteenth, you're right, Norman. Like, is that a good thing? Is Bruce will have done his job and he'd be buzzing, and everyone will say, "Well, he's done a good job in the circumstances." And then you'll don't know if everyone will say it like, but well, yeah, <laughs> some people a lot might. of people are saying that. Um, I'd imagine most of the media will, will be will be saying that, and uh, and we'll probably start the next season with him in charge, and that's that's any good. Um, however, what what can he do now? I mean. He, he, again, my my brain hurts when I think of how on earth we have thirty one points. I can't think of how how many games. Like I can't think of enough games where those points have been gained. Um, our fixture list coming up is is quite kind in the circumstances, considering we have this like nice cushion of of safety net of points. Um, we've got Burnley, Southampton, Sheffield, Villa, Bournemouth, and West Ham to play in the next six games, with an FA Cup game in the middle of that. If there's ever a time to try a new formation and try and learn to play four at the back. Do it now. We've got most people fit. We've got we've got a lack of fullbacks, but why not try it? Why not try? You know, if you lose three more games, you're still not in the relegation zone. But then there might be some progress. Pack the midfield. Play three in midfield. Play four five one. If you want to stay stay defensive and hard to beat, play four five one. Try playing without the same formation with three defenders and and two fullbacks who've barely kicked the ball. Put Richie in there on on the wing on the proper wing. Put um, Lazaro when he gets back from his ban. <laughs> On, on the wing, not not in defence, so play four with proper wingers and then pack out the midfield. Play both long staffs, give them a bit of run in the team or stick Hayden in there. Or if you're going to play Bentley, but have two other midfielders who can do a bit of the running for him while he gets fit. So many things he could try over the next six games and not be hammered if, he, if, if we lose the first cover because there's more games to come and we've got that cushion. He's got to try something now and not wait till we've lost another three games and then change it before when it, when it's too late. I agree. I like. I would. I would go a step further and say you don't even have to be that defensive. To me, I have to be clear. I don't think there is a magical tactical solution in Newcastle problems at the minute. The problems are run far deeper. Yeah. Like we've talked about, the going to coaching, player confidence, all that kind of stuff. But the vast majority of the time, when a Rafa Benitez, apart from like four months at the end of last season, we played four four one one. Um, play. Go back to four at the back. Play to play Danny Rose, fine, who looks terrible, but play him at left back because there isn't really anyone else. Yeah. Um, I agree, but just you can even you can play four four one one. Get Almiron behind, which remember that's yeah. why he's played most of his career. Get him behind Joe Linton or Dwight Gale, whoever plays. I'll play Gale personally because Joe Linton's been so bad. But this this I imagine this formation would be better for Joe Linton. Mm-hmm. Um, and just say right, okay, until they get to our, let, you know, let's sit deep, let them get to our halfway line, and then we'll press them. Almir and I want you to press every single player, other striker, press every single player, and then we'll play in the counter-attack, and there's a plan. And it might not work, but what we've seen so far, doesn't it just doesn't work, but we'll play, we'll play the same way every single week. Like, I, I agree with you, play play Matty Longstaff, maybe Sean Longstaff will have a bit, of, bit more space, a bit more freedom, chance to pick some players out running in forward directions. You know, I felt sorry for Longstaff yesterday, he was, he was terrible, but, but again, a bit like Fernandez, they're the two players that, that recognise that if I pass backwards here, the ball goes to Dubravka who kicks along. We don't have the ball, so they try things. It doesn't come off, and you know I've, I've heard it, I had a few people having a go at Fernandez yesterday, and it's like yeah, but Lascelles and even Shaw in the first half, they just pass the ball backwards and just get rid of the problem. Whereas at least Fernandez doesn't work, but at least he goes in a little run or tries a through ball or tries something, 
And in the second half, Shaw was the one who was just like, I'm just going to try balls over the top here. I'm here. It didn't work. But at least it's like a recognition that what we're doing right now just doesn't work. So I'm going to have to take high risk chances to try and conjure something. Play 4 4 1 1. Might not work against Burnley, but Christ, at least you're not going to be outnumbered in midfield. At least you're not going to. I mean, again, you could argue the same, you know, against Oxford. But Norman, you, you made the point on uh, one of the parent podcasts recently. In terms of like changing the four at the back and Bruce just saying we can't, can't do it, the players can't do it. If we get relegated this season, do you think Jamal LaSalle or Fabian Scher or whoever is going to go to their new club, wherever it is, pick a club in, I don't know, Germany and just go, ah, that, just one second of the team meeting, I, I can't play four in the back. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you just play them. And I, I don't think Fabian Scher can play in a back four. I don't think he's positionally um, disciplined enough and I think that's one of the reasons Rafa changed last season don't play him go to the centre-backs play Fernandes and, and Lascelles play Lejeune and Lascelles Lejeune and Lascelles were fucking tremendous together as part of a back four with DeAndre Yedlin and Paul Dummett as the left back yeah. Danny Rose is a better left back than Paul Dummett yeah. all four of those players are fit obviously Rose instead of yeah. Dummett they're all fit yeah. <laughs> give it a fucking go there are solutions out there and this is why yesterday annoys me so much it doesn't have to be this way we could like We've all been at games, seen we lose four, five, six nil over the years, and it's shit. Um, I didn't. Yesterday wasn't any better because they hit the post or Benteke misses from three yards, just because the ball's in the back of the net. It's it still feels like to me, as someone who's at it, feels like a five nil defeat. It was that bad. Palace who are shit, who hadn't scored a goal in however long, who hadn't like the only team in England not to win since New Year's Day, absolutely dominated that game from start to finish. And the worst part of it is they didn't even play well. We let them do it. We let them do it. There are solutions out there to the manager. Is there any way, Sai, to finish off? Is there any way back, back for Steve Bruce with supporters? Back where? I, I don't think... I mean, the, the best he got was indifference. He's never really had the supporters. He's had indifference. He's had a, oh, no, she's doing okay. He's doing better than I expected. But he's never had... I'm really happy that Steve Bruce is our manager and he never will... So I didn't. The, the, no, there isn't. There isn't a way that uh, the, the the majority of Newcastle fans will accept how it is. They'll they'll keep going, and if we stay up, they'll keep going again because that's kind of what we do. The numbers will just start to dwindle and dwindle. Though I don't think, I mean, something impossible would have to happen for for him to win the fans over. He'd have to go on a bit of a pardue and in somehow finish fifth, which which won't happen. It just won't happen. I think he can get fans back this season. I think if he. Because we're arrogant. If he makes the changes we're suggesting and 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 plays some sort of normal football formation where we're trying like you know create chances. Yeah. What we got? We got eleven league games left. Yeah. Win four, lose seven, and people will be all right with that. Win four, lose seven, beat West Brom. People, people yeah. will be all right with that. Lots of people will still not be good in the match. Lots of people still think that Bruce is a symptom rather than the problem. Win four, lose seven, and 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 beat Burnley two 0 in a decent game of football where we're actually we're playing fucking Burnley at home or whoever, or Villa, or, you know, whatever, or West Ham, and actually we've thought, you know what, you're not very good, you concede lots of goals away from them, so we're going to have a good bit of, good, a bit of a go, and if we get beat 1-0 on the counter-attack, is it any worse than what happened against Norwich? You know what, I, th- I think you're right, it wouldn't be enough for me, I may have been a bit selfish there, but I think the majority of Newcastle fans would be happy with that, as long as we put in a couple of performances, get ourselves to safety, and uh, like you say, progress in the FA Cup, because there's never been a better opportunity to do that, I agree that most people would probably be content with that. I, w- I wouldn't say they'd be they'd be over the moon, but they'd be content. But it would give us a platform for next season, wouldn't we? It would give us it because the fear is now. Just say we will play the same way, and we'll pick up two wins and stay up, and we'll stay up in thirty nine points or two draws, which would still be disastrous form. We're we'll going to next season the same. If if he plays some attacking football, which he promised to do, 
and if we score some goals and create some chances, people go next season thinking, if this clicks, if he gets it right, there might be something. At the minute, things clicking for us are Dubravka pulling off five saves and scoring in the 94th minute against yeah. Chelsea. That's the best we're going to hope for, Norman. I mean, you know, as you're talking about four four one one there, like uh, with with Army running behind Gale, I think that's that's something that probably has to happen. And as as Sai said as well, it's better we do it now and we struggle for two or three games, but then may, maybe maybe kind of pick up, you know, it, it picks up after the two or three games of adjusting to it, and we pick up the four wins that you that you say there, Alex. Um, and I think, but I think it's the it's the words that we use, isn't it? Like. You know, we'll be happy, we'll be content, it'll be okay if we get four wins at 11. The reality is, I, I don't even think it'll be as, as good as that. It'll just be a little bit less shit. Like, it'll be all right, well, we'll, we'll stay it up and at least we'll pick up some wins. Like, to, to say that will be, that the majority of families would be happy, it would, it would just be, I, I don't think that'll be the case. It would just, it would just be less, less apathetic or less angry. I think, I think that's the other thing as well, as I think a lot of people are more apathetic than angry, so we're not kind of yarring the, the tub thumping. Um, Get him out anger like on on social media and in you know on, on other platforms and I just think it's really sad that we're we're seeing that the manager can get the fans back on side by picking up four wins in eleven and maybe trying to produce a new formation. It's it's gone. It's that it's that basic. It's really really sad. Um, but I also think that obviously we pick up four wins, we stay up, we get to a cup quarter final. Then in the summer, we're we're just it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? We're getting back on. We're just doing the same thing again because I think we know. Regardless of getting Steve Bruce back on side, as long as he's the manager and as long as we've got the ownership we have, then we're pretty much not, not heading anywhere, are we? Put a tweet out today in preparation for this show to try and get some sort of feeling of if anyone thought Bruce was the right man and he could turn it around. And I think 80 people responded and not one of them. Again, it's only 80 people, but not one of them um, thought so. So there is a thought out there, it's a feeling out there, that like three dafties like us talking about Steve Bruce being shite is pointless because, you know, the problem is the person that appointed him or the people that appointed him and they wanted a manager. These are their words, not mine, but they they wanted a manager who would keep us around the bottom of the PL but not close to the trap door, and that's what they've got. That's what they think they've got. I mean, yeah, (laughs) they haven't really, have they? Look, um... Steve Bruce has got has been given a squad that should be capable of staying up. It's it's a better squad than than probably the bottom five, let's say, um, as it stands. And then there's much of a muchness with a lot yeah, of other teams but, as well. You know, the, 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 he's been given everything he should need to to do that job, as you say, to to finish comfortably between sixteenth and fourteenth. Probably nothing better, and no one expected Bruce to do any better than that. Um, I, I don't like that rhetoric of, yes, we, we know there's a bigger problem in casting out. We know that until Mike Ashley goes, that we probably are just going to rinse and repeat when Steve Bruce goes, it'll just be the next guy and the next guy, and that Benitez was a bit of a blip on, on that kind of life we've been living for 12, 13 years now. However, I don't think it's okay to just absolve Steve Bruce and just be like, oh, don't get at him for all these mistakes he's making, for all the stupid decisions and all the embarrassing press conferences and all the other shit football matches we've been to see this year you're allowed to still be annoyed at that and still think, actually, the fact that Steve Bruce is a manager is still a disgrace and want Ashley to go, but want not to have to watch Steve Bruce managing Cassie United. So from my perspective, I just don't, I don't buy this thing of, uh, oh, leave poor Steve alone. He's, it's not his fault. Yeah, it's not his fault. He should never have been given the job. And if he had any sense, he'd probably think, why did I take this job? But 
if it was me, I would have taken it, even if I knew I couldn't do it, because that's the position he was put in and probably the best paid job he was ever going to get anyway. Um, no, it's it's it doesn't make any sense to to say that there's, there's no point in being angry at Steve Bruce and uh, analysing his mistakes in the hope that he's listening and <laughs> makes some corrections based on our, like you say, uh, <laughs> slightly arrogant view yeah. that we might know better. Slightly arrogant. Yeah, but to kind of jump in on, on the press conference thing, you're right. I mean, we, we don't know better. Of course we don't know better. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not professional coaches. We haven't been in the game for X amount of years as managers. We don't know better. We, we, we base our opinions on what, what, on what we see and what we hear, and that's, yeah. that's it. Um, you know, ex- externally, but um, the, the press conferences, like yesterday, for example, right, so... I like, don't blame Steve Bruce, fair enough, right? But it's difficult not to get annoyed when you listen to press conferences like the one after the Manchester. I don't know how, how much you, you've seen of all, how much you've read of it. But coming up with things like it was difficult with the conditions. What was difficult with the conditions? <laughs> what, 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 di- what, what difference did the conditions at Crystal Palace make yesterday to us that they didn't make at Crystal Palace? Or what difference did those conditions make to us that we haven't had in previous matches because we didn't have those conditions. That it's it's a nonsense. It's an absolute madness. The other one, the keeper's made two great saves. What does that suggest? We've had two pot shots. Julian and Shea just booted the ball from twenty-five yards because they've had nothing else in front of them basically. And the keeper's made two. To be fair, quite a decent save. But decent, both shots but are pretty They're not. They're doing. not great saves. They're not going to no, make no, any they're DVDs. Not, they're, not, they're not great. They're not. They're not great DVDs saves. Um, old. Yeah. And, then, and then. I mean, coming up with another one, um, maybe it's time to change, right? So, I mean, that, that coming up, it's maybe it's time to change. Well, yes, that's correct. But I thought we weren't capable of changing. Um, our biggest problem this season um, has been evident. We have to create more of a threat in the opponent's area. I mean, are we? But, of course we do. Like, that's not really something, that's not something that needs to be said because that's something that probably should have been acknowledged from, oh, I don't know, the second game of the season. Yeah, it's not the manager's job job to point out what needs to happen. It's to to actually action something that makes those things that, that corrects that 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 behaviour. Pointing out what everyone's already told him and just repeating basically what we're saying and what the what the press conference is saying. And the question he's probably been asked is, "What are you going to do about the goal scoring situation?" And his response is, "We we have a problem with creating chances." And it, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. It's almost like he's a and people have said this before. Like he's an observer, not the person who makes all the decisions. Um, and and it's he's been here seven months now. This idea that the the team, because of four months under Rafa Benitez, five months to be fair, five months under Rafa Benitez, you know, just will never ever be able to play anything other than the dog shit football we play, is just uh, it's just laughable. And I said it before, I say it again. We got that point at Everton, which was a joke, but we got it. We just beaten Chelsea. We had a great cushion in the league. We had League One Oxford and rock bottom Norwich at home in the space of seven days with two sold out crowds that was the time as a manager to change it and think right part one done we're going to stay up we've got a great chance in the FA Cup let's go and have a go at these two shy teams and get some confidence in the lads and instead he did what he did and the results were now and and it's getting to the stage now where he's having to change it because it's so bad rather than change it because it's the right thing to do because he himself wanted to in his own words uh, get a bit of positivity going and play some fun foot football. He said it. Well, he had he had the chance, and that's the disappointing thing. Really quickly on the kind of Ashley thing and the you know symptom. Yes, it's not Steve Bruce's you know fault. He was appointed. I've had people on Twitter saying to me, "Well, if you sack him, who would you appoint?" Not my foot. Not my not my job. There are people who are paid lots of money to to, to get this right. I'm not one of them, unfortunately. Um, 
like Norman made a great point this morning on WhatsApp. I'll steal your thunder, Norman. You sent a picture of the, the, the top half of the championship and just said, well, I'll, I'll leave it, mate. What, what did you say looking at us? I said I'd have um, the manager of every single one of those clubs ahead of Steve Bruce, other than the ones at Swansea and Birmingham, but that's because I haven't got a clue who we are. <laughs> yeah. And that's spot on. You know, I, I just plugged one. I said Lee Johnson at Bristol City. And then, you know, there was a, a guy I chatting to on Twitter said, oh, will he probably be this and that? It's like, well, does he have a plan? And if so, get him in. Because we, we and I don't want to repeat myself because we've done an hour, we did not have a plan yesterday. There was no plan to, to win that game. It was just, go on, lads, more the same. Yeah. More of the same shite that's been served over the last few weeks. Well, what what happened in the summer, by if depending on who you believe, is that they, they approached some some better quality managers and, and got knocked back quite a few times. I mean, we'll not go into names because I don't know which ones are true. But And then, like you say, he's looked at the championship and thought, well, we're going to have to go, go down there. Do you know any managers in the championship? Steve Bruce, do you know anyone else? I, I, I'd imagine not that top 12, Norman, when you're saying you don't know a couple of them. Lee Charlie probably doesn't know who any of them are. You probably knew who Steve Bruce was just because his name comes up every time. So, well, should we just try him then? I, I honestly don't back Lee Charnley a to to know anything about those those options at at you know progressive championship clubs or b be able to convince them that there's a there's a reason to come to Newcastle. Norman, you were you listened to a Norwich fan on Five Live before, which raised a couple of interesting questions and about identity. And you've already talked about that we don't have an identity. Um, you know, someone like Graham Potter at, at Brighton got less points than what they got like two less points or something like that. I, I don't know exactly. Four less points. Um, but if he gets it right, like I said, if they click, and they've clicked a couple of times winning at Arsenal, beating Spurs 3-0, um, if it clicks, they'll be a good side. And what, what you know, like I've said before, at the minute, I can't I can't see it clicking for us. But even if it does, what's the end result? And is it, is it worth waiting to get there? And I feel we're in a position now where either this season or next season, three things happen. One, you know, all the stars line will get taken over. Seems unlikely from here. Two, we'll get relegated. Three, he gets sacked. Which one of those ones comes first doesn't doesn't really matter, particularly the latter two. Either he gets sacked and we'll go down anyway because the replacement's not good enough and he's sacked too late. Um, considering they're stuck with Carver, they're stuck with McLaren for way too long, they're stuck with Pardew, um, or or we'll, get, we'll go down with him and they think, well, he might bring one back up. It's grim. It's yep. really grim. I think we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks so much to everyone who's listened. I should have said right at the start of the show. You know, I've been blinded by my fury uh, yesterday. New issue of True Faith fans, you know, we'll produce it for you. People only costs 250 plus postage. Uh, it's written by loads of other Newcastle fans. If you'd like to write for it, drop me an email, podcast at true-faith.co.uk. Uh, anyone who submits something, as long as it's reasonably well put together, will get printed. We don't have an editorial line you have to follow. Uh, several hundred people subscribe to it. That keeps the fanzine going. Uh, it would be great if you could do the same. Uh, of course, this podcast is made possible by our patrons who pay about £7 a month for 20 or 30 extra podcasts. Me and Norman got a tactics show coming up this week where we're going to some more detail than we'll have today on the tactics or lack of them. Uh, we've also done a show analysing the media analysis or lack of it about Bruce. And although some members of the local media have gone in very hard on them, Quite rightly, in my opinion, most haven't. So we'll have a little bit of chat about why that might be. Uh, so get involved if you like what we do. We'd appreciate it massively. My thanks to Sai and Norman. You've been great to speak to about this very difficult subject. Speak to you all on the free podcast next Sunday after Brucey's 442 mag smash Burnley 5-0. Cheers. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.